ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Before we jump into the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to Bo Bochamp serving in Iraq in the United States Marine Corps. Bo, thank you for your support of the podcast, but more so, sir, thank you for your service to this country. Hey guys, I sat down with Ryan Bodwin. We get into how he jumped headfirst into his career, hunting Wisconsin to Texas to Africa, getting vets in the outdoors and some divides within the hunting community. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Ryan Bodwin. Ryan, I appreciate your time, man, uh, pulling you away from family life and whatever commitments you have going on at the moment, man. Thank you for sitting down with me. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. So why don't we just jump right in, man? Give us an intro and a little background on yourself. Well, I uh, grew up in uh, Northeast Wisconsin and left for the Marine Corps two days after high school graduation. Spent seven years in the Marines, uh, including a deployment to Iraq in 2004, 2005, uh, to the Triangle of Death, right during all the the heavy fighting. Um, got out of the Marine Corps, went to college at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, and pretty much stumbled through life afterwards, uh, including a desk job. Uh, cubicle prison and wasn't, you know, I, I, I was going through the motions and it wasn't until I was always a hunter, but it wasn't until I jumped into it as a uh, potential career that uh, I just started traveling, um, hunting and photography. Uh, that's, that's what got me into the industry is uh, um, my skills with a, with a camera started taking stills and those got noticed, and a friend of mine uh, from Michigan, uh, Patrick Cummings, contacted me. He's like, I know you're a straight-up killer when it comes to hunting. Uh, your, your photos are amazing. Do you know how to film? And 
I really hadn't even thought about that. Uh, I was like, no, but uh, let's go. And he got picked up with Pursuit Channel. Uh, I started filming and they started putting me in front of the camera. And now it's kind of a, a jack of all trades, foam, uh, photo, film, media, video edits, um, and then in front of the camera as well. Awesome, man. So first off, thank you for your service, man. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it, man. Can't say enough about, uh, you know, guys that uh, put themselves aside for the rest of us, man. So on the uh, photography thing, did you have any any photography experience before you started or jumped in? I had zero. Like, I, I, I brought a camera with me to um, to Iraq. I mean, but it was like a, a point and shoot type camera. So I never really had anything decent. Um, no training whatsoever. Uh, what got me taking the photos is, was springtime. Um, I'm a duck hunter first, uh, above everything. And in spring, when the ducks are migrating north, the uh, reverse migration, they're all plumed out and, you know, getting into to mating season. And I didn't have anything to do once my turkey tags or before turkey season or after. So I just started taking pictures of ducks. And then I, I posted them on Facebook and people were like, uh, you need to consider like pursuing this. So then it became a huge money pit, but totally worth it and started dumping money into gear. That's awesome, man. Cause I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of folks kind to, uh, pursue that or find their way into, you know, that air quote outdoor industry. Um, so just to kind of fall into it, man, you're going to have some people kind of green with envy. Oh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I like to call my brother on like a Tuesday if I'm in like Africa. <laughs> Tuesday morning when I know he's like, hey, what are you doing, man? He's like, I'm working. He's like, I don't, I don't even want to know where you're, where you're at. <laughs> <laughs> Africa, no big deal. That's pretty awesome, though, man, to get, you know, to just take that, that, uh, hobby pastime right getting getting through waiting for season into a career that gets you around the world traveling and doing something that you uh that you love and got you out of that that cubicle prison like you said i mean it, it wasn't without you know investment on in the equipment itself but i mean when i first started i mean i was paying my own way just to go on hunts just to have content I, like I, I was going to do a hunt anyways, but now I'm, you know, was, all right, I got to do a bear hunt and now I got to get a film out. I got to get a, all the, all the media out for the outfitter and, and just to start building that portfolio. Uh, I mean, I, my first trip to Africa was out of pocket. And then after the, I think it was the second day and I already rambled through four species and, and uh, John uh, Fall is the owner of Rafiki Safaris. He's like, he had seen my Instagram and he'd seen what I'd accomplished in a couple of days. And he's like, uh, you want a job? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it just says a lot about taking a chance, diving, diving in head first. Right. I mean, that's just uh, I mean, it's kind of the American dream story. Um, and just going for it, man. Good on you for that. <laughs> the, the funny thing is that, I mean, I lost my father and, and, and my mother both in 2011. And when I kind of jumped into this was not too long after. And I discussed it with my uncle, my dad's brother. Uh, like, you know, 
the ins and outs of what it's going to take to succeed at this. And he's like, you know, if your dad was alive, he'd call you a dumbass, right? You know, <laughs> and my dad was kind of the red foreman type. And so it just, it, he would have, he'd be like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> you're going to take pictures of what? Exactly. Yeah. But taking that chance, man, it's paid off, paid off. So um, let's talk a little hunting and outdoor life, man. How'd you get your feet wet into that? And what, uh, what trips your trigger? Uh, I mean, getting started in hunting in general in, in, in my life. Yeah, um, yeah. It, as a teenager, I mean, my dad didn't hunt. So it, it, I was probably about 13 or 14 when I took hunter safety. He took it with me. Um, and he always would, you know, participate. Uh, we, we did the deer camp thing. Um, you know, every fall, the, the family would go up to deer camp and he'd, he'd be the camp cook. and. Um, other than that, I mean, it was very opportunistic hunting. It would, I mean, a couple of teenagers pretty much rolling through the woods, shooting raccoons and anything that was in season that you came across. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, uh, a sit down where, you, you know, where I am now, where it's a complete study of the animal's behaviors and uh, uh, know everything I possibly could know about a species that that's my query. It, it, I mean, growing up, it was just hanging out with the guys. Um, I don't think it became that until when I came back from overseas. Uh, I I struggled with um, the law, um, in trouble a little bit, fighting, um, drinking way too much, and I miss the boys. I miss the fellas, uh, the camaraderie, and. I missed the edge of combat and in a, in a weird, weird way. I mean, even a Turkey, I mean, he's your enemy in a, where you're back, you're in a mind game battle. Uh, I mean, it's life or death for, for the Tom, not you, but it still has that edge to it. And that, that drew me back to it to where I just jumped in completely. And I wanted to hunt everything and everything I possibly could. Um, and that's where I started seeing that, it, you know, it would, being out there was so therapeutic. It was keeping me from going over the edge and it gave me purpose again. So, yeah, that was, that's one of our, I guess, main topics, right? For this, for this podcast or this discussion. Um, I'm going to glance over that for the moment, just so we can get a little bit more insight on you but uh how did your how did your 2018 season look man i mean you got uh there's a <laughs> there's a pretty healthy list of uh of stack up here on this 2018 resume i i mean, <laughs> I mean where do i start yeah. i mean we, grand, we slam. grand slam for turkeys grand I mean, slam I, yeah. I guess that um, I had already shot many Easterns, which we have here in Wisconsin and, uh, the year before, so, uh, 2017, I went down with Patrick actually, uh, to Texas and, uh, shot a Rio Grande Turkey. Um, then, you know, I've got two down. I was like, I might as well go after this. And I booked with, uh, an outfitter in Florida. Um, that was wham, bam. I mean, first morning I'm there, <laughs> take them down. 
and then I got in with a guy, uh, Devin Robers, uh, who I just knew through Facebook. That, that's the, the beauty of social media. He posts, hey, I'm going to Nebraska. Usually a bunch of buddies come. We're going to go chase some Miriams. Uh, anybody want to go? And I don't know this guy at all, except there were you know, Facebook acquaintances. And uh, I was like, I messaged him. I'm like, hey, man, I'm in. And we rolled out there. We shot five birds in, five, or in two days. Um, public land just grind it out it was awesome i mean he's a good dude and <laughs> my wife is like what if he's a serial killer and i'm like come on <laughs> you're 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 really riding out to nebraska with somebody you don't even know and i'm like well he's hunting with a guy i do know before so he's, he must be good yeah he's legit but that i mean that the, the hunters in general though is just a is a and I'm i'm generalizing right it's just a good group of people though you know, for, for a guy to extend an invitation over social media and then to have it be a good experience. I mean, I kind of relate that to all the conversations I have on the podcast and you're just, it's just random people, but we all have for the most part, the same mindset and the same heart when it comes to being outdoors, man. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's so cool to be able to, I mean, I, I, I don't even add, I had strangers on, on on my personal page every once in a while, just based on what their profile picture is. And and next thing you know, you're you're, you're hunting together. Um, I'm, I'm going out to Utah with a guy that I added because he he was rocking a mullet and I, and he was rocking it funny about it. And I was like, this guy looks cool. I could hang out with Dylan Martinez, Duck Man. So I messaged him. I said, I seen you got a, a cinnamon teal and. You got uh, some golden eyes, and I mean, in Utah, hunting hunting ducks with a mountain backdrop. I mean, you want to talk about some killer photos? You know, it, it just just gorgeous. That state's gorgeous in general. And so, just send them a message. And now, now I'm going out there to knock off a few species off my list for the uh, 41 total uh, huntable species in North America. How many of that 41 do you have? I think I got seven left. Oh, damn. So I'm going to knock three out in Florida, the modeled and the two uh, frivolous, the whistling ducks. Um, so that'd be three. And then uh, the cinnamon teal would be four. I need a tundra swan. And I'd have to look at the list. I mean, I, I took a big chunk out this year, this the, in 2018. Um, so, yeah, man, let's get back into that. Uh get back into that 2018 season we're gonna tangent a bunch i could tell so you had yeah. uh, you had several texas hunts huh uh I, hold on let me pull it up i don't i don't have that email that i sent you uh with the outline um well I, the, the first hunt in texas uh i went down with uh, blake marshall king of eights uh he's same thing ended up booking a hunt with him one time and now we're from, really really good friends and hunt together all the time um he had a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of free range uh exotics i mean the when people think texas exotics they think a high fence or or even worse a kill pen um we i wanted to target the attics and the scimitar horned oryx and both of them he had a property where they're They've been wild for, for 15, 20 years. Um, and we, I tell you what, I mean, 
one of the, the hardest hunts I've been on in a long time. I mean, they, the, the scimitar put, we put some miles on foot because you just can't, you can't shoot the cows because they are privately owned, even though they're wild. The, the landowner owns the, the animal. And uh, some of these scimitar cows are, are going on 15 years old. They've been around the block and, and they've watched, you know, bull after bull get taken out and they herd up. So, you, you know, there's 40 animals in this herd. You got to beat 40 pairs of eyes through the Texas brush and <laughs> sun up to sundown. We, I think we took that bull at, at sundown. Um, the attics, we, we just got lucky. Ended up finding the path they were taking and almost set up a little ambush on them. And what uh, what area of Texas or what part of Texas? Uh, Eden, um, Fort McCabot, Eden, Sonora. Uh, what else is over there? It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so would that would that all be like West Texas? Because I mean, uh, terrain, you know, terrafana wise, it's a it's a bit different when you go from like you know West Texas down to South Texas, even Central Texas area with with hill country. I, I'd say Southwest. Texas. I mean, it's not, you're, you're just on the border of hill country. Um, but that, that area right there is probably one of the best areas for exotics. I mean, there's access deer everywhere. Um, wild black buck. Um, I think the nil guy are starting to, to populate that, that way as well. And that's nasty um, country, man. Oh, that's snakes. what I was asking. And, it's very similar to Africa. I mean, when, it, when I got to Africa, like once, once we got out of the Johannesburg and into the bush, I was like, oh my God, this is like exactly like Texas. Um, that, it, what's that? That's, that's one of the reasons they're thriving. Yeah, it, 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 it is. It, it's a hundred percent. It's, it's, it's the same climate and veg and relatively the same vegetation. And, and some of these species, I mean, exactly the two I hunted the, the scimitar and the addicts aren't doing very well in their native habitat. There's been reintroduction efforts um, to bring them back over to uh, the Saharan part of the, uh, of Africa. And some of these, you know, like people bang on high fences all the time. And, you know, I, I don't care. It, it's not, if, if I can hunt something wild, I will, but some of these high fence ranches are, are saving species that are going extinct in the wild. And, and then there's a lot of, uh, you know, merit to that, that we need to support some of these. Cause that uh, look at the pure David's uh, deer from China. I mean, that was wiped out and they're, they're all over the place in Texas and now they're reintroduced and the Chinese are back on board and they understand the, the conservation efforts, but that, that animal doesn't exist without that. And I think there's a few species, right, that went from Texas and reintroduced to, you know, their native their native land um, for those efforts. I mean, it's not, you know, not just one one or two places, but this is something that's uh, it's it's big. And 
my understanding, and I could be wrong, but the I guess I have heard it from the rumor mill, right? That there's more Bengal tigers in Texas than anywhere in the world, and I'm not sure. I've, I've heard that too. I've heard that too. <laughs> I'm not exactly yeah. sure of the truth in that, but you know that uh, it says a lot. I just, for me, a Bengal they start running around Texas wild, man. I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Something about that. Uh, there's monkeys running around in Texas in some spots, and there, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, it, <laughs> the first time I ever went down there, I was guiding for Rio's, and uh, we did a hunt. Uh, I don't remember the organization that sent the vet, and I got this guy from Ohio, and we're sitting kind of shoulder to shoulder, almost back to back, and we've got a couple of. Jakes that were kind of on the fringe of our, our, and I'm watching them and I'm watching to see if there's any other Toms coming to play. And he, he's elbowing me. He's like, dude, dude, dude. And I'm like, what? It's just a couple of Jakes. And he's like, is that a zebra? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, welcome to Tex Africa, buddy. You yeah. never know what's going to run by. Can I shoot that? I'm like, how much money do you have? <laughs> Only in Texas. That's something else. Yeah, I've gone down there a few times to hunt, man. And uh, what I really liked, uh, well, I thought they were beautiful, was the uh, black buck antelope, man. That's just a cool little animal. They're gorgeous. They're, I mean, they're, there's, not, there's not much to them, but, uh, I mean, body-wise, but they're, they're just a beautiful. An Oreo, dark and white face is just gorgeous. And yeah. I've hunted one, and I'd like to do it again. I mean, I'm going down there probably in June to pick up, to pick up that addicts and scimitar from the, my taxidermist down there. So I can't go to Texas and not, <laughs> not I'm going to hunt something. That's it, man. Um, so you, st- you, you brought it up a little bit, right? And you hear a lot of stuff about Texas. Um, you know, there's, there's, what is it? Two or three percent public land, which is you know pretty vast in Texas. It's it's a pretty big state, um, but everybody thinks, like you said, high fence, right? Um, you know, dog in the backyard type hunting. Um, what what's your take on on that? I mean, Africa's high fence too, and, and and most people don't realize that. I mean, you're on huge ranches in Texas or huge ranches in Africa. It, it it's it leads to better population management. I mean, imagine if I had 110,000 acres of, of fenced in woodland in, in central Wisconsin. I mean, the, what I could do with my deer herd, if I had one, it would be crazy. Um, it, it, it's kind of like, it is what it is type thing. And it's not going to change. Um, the kill pen stuff I, I have, I mean, no thanks. Um, but I, I said to a client one time, he's like, well, I have no interest in, in shooting any of that stuff here. And I said, okay. I said, tell you what, I said, we're on 75,000 acres right now. If you see a gems buck, you can shoot it <laughs> and I'll pay for it. And he marched his happy little butt out there and he come back at sundown. He's like, there ain't no gems buck here. And I'm like, actually, there's uh, 82 of them. Uh, we just counted them yesterday. I mean, it's it's still, it, I mean, if you're on a big enough property. It, there ain't no there, fence. <laughs> I mean, if you, don't even, if you don't even see the fence. <laughs> um, 
but th- that being said, I mean, again, it is what it is. It's, it's still fenced. I don't, it, it, it's not a complete turnoff for me. I, I'm not going to hunt an elk in a enclosure. Um, and maybe that's the wrong word to use because it makes it sound like it's, you know, like a kill pen. Um, I mean, I'm not going to hunt a high fence elk. I'm not going to hunt a high fence whitetail. Um, things that I can pursue naturally. It would it'd be more stuff that, like, I am never going to go to the Hindu Kush mountains in Pakistan and hunt a markhor because I really don't want to end up on live leak with my head cut off. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not going to go to a lawless area to pursue something. But maybe I get, I'm down there and, some guy and ranch owner says, Hey, what do you want to hunt today? And I'm like, oh, I heard you got Mark or, I mean, that would be something I would consider. And I'd, I'd, I, I, I know it, 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 it turns a lot of people off until they see it, that it's. But I'm, I'm going to get into this. It doesn't matter if you choose to do that or not. Right. I mean, if, if somebody hasn't experienced it, can they pass judgment on a guy that, is happy pursuing that, you know, part of, of the sport. I mean, it, it you know. I think it boils down to uh, what we're experiencing right now uh, on a world scale. Um, the UK just banned crow and pigeon hunting. I have zero interest in crow and pigeon hunting. But if we don't support our fellow hunter, I mean, that wants to do that, um, we're going to lose, I mean, it, it, it join together or, or die alone. Um, it's the guys that, you know, so we have some fights here in Wisconsin over uh, guys that want to shoot a bear over bait and guys that want to run dogs. And, and if they don't support each other, the anti has zero reason to care which way the animal is taken or what animal is taken. They just know that they're against animals being shot and killed. I and mean, not even getting into the, the science of conservation of it. They, just, they don't care. They, they, they think with their hearts. And if we don't support all of this together, it, it's death by paper cut. Pigeons and crows, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever floats your boat, man, go for it. That's that's a new one for me, man. I have to, uh, I'll have to look at that one. There's a lot of duck hunters that, that hunt pigeon and crow uh, when it's not, you know, duck season just as something to do pigeon actually tastes pretty good um crow i've never tried and i'm not gonna eat crow so (laughs) well for me right i i'm i'm as urban as you can get here in southern california so you talk pigeon man i'm thinking flying rat um the the stinkiest of birds you know what i mean so it's that's a rough one but i i wholeheartedly agree with the fact that we have to lay down that BS and support whatever choice you're making as a hunter, man, to keep that going. Yeah. If people want to do it, I mean, just because somebody doesn't care for it or does not want to participate in themselves, cool. Then don't do it, but don't, don't try to like uh, limit them or we're going to lose as a whole. And we won't get it back, man. And I think, I think they, when they see it somewhere else, they're just going to try and figure out how to do it, you know, do it here, home. I mean, bobcat hunting right now is under attack in, in Colorado. Right. Uh, and they're gonna, 
you guys, I, don't, I, I talked to a guy the other day um, who does shipping for, for taxidermy and I got linked up with him because he, he, they ship for any wounded vet or uh, sick kid type hunts. And uh, we were talking cause Connecticut just banned the importation of the big five. And he said, I can't even bring a mountain lion into California. Not at all. Can't go hunt it somewhere and, and have it in the state. It's insane, man. <laughs> we had, uh, I forget the mountain lions number, um, just running around here locally. And it, they just found him, uh, poisoned by rodenticides and the uproar is just, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been something else, um, with the cat numbers here is just, yeah, it's, it's out of control. Zero. Yeah, how long before the, the tool and the, you know, the Roosevelt elk start just disappearing because it, the, the predators aren't being managed. And, and you know, it's, it, it, it's like wolf hunting here. I, I don't, I don't get behind the guys that are kill them all, you know, kill all the wolves, let them be here, but let us manage them. And I mean, it, it's not, I, I, I think the wolf has every right to be, as long as it's the species that was originally here, um, to be in, in its, in its native ecosystem. It, it can be part of things, but it should be managed, not, a blanket protection for something that's not endangered by any means in our state. Yeah. And then the whole, what's, what's your take on some of the reintroduction without management, right? I mean, that, that's just, that seems absurd to me. I understand that, you know, with the reintroduction that they have to give that species time to populate, right. And get to a sustainable level um, for the wolves, for the pack. Um, but, it doesn't seem like there's any thought process in managing them um, or at least it's not part of the plan long-term as far as I can tell. It's not. And even the wardens and the uh, biologists for, for the most part, you know, are in agreement. like, that, okay. Uh, you know, let, let's start thinning them out a little bit. Once they, once they come into an area, it, I mean, they, they just take out everything. Uh, and then move to the next. And um, that, that management plan has to be the, the biologists are the, the key to it all. It, but it, it's getting the political clout to, to make sure that it's, it's part of the plan. And it doesn't seem like anybody has any intention on listening to science. I mean, at least, at least here, I mean, that is how I feel about it. Right. And I, I can't, substantiate they're not listening but that's how it appears it's crazy I mean, it, with all the you know with the, with the following i have on social media i get a i get a lot of uh my posts get exposed to people that don't agree with me and i get craziness i mean death threats and all kinds of stuff and it, it's funny they don't if i post something that's that you know i made a post about africa uh the other day that was a science-based post uh, with the numbers in Mozambique of the sable reintroductions and management plans through hunting and not one anti comes on there. You shoot a deer, nothing. You, you shoot a, or you catch a fish, nothing. But if you, if, if, if the cute and cuddly looking furry 
Wolves, Bears, or Lions, if, if you shoot one of those, they lose their mind. And it shows me that they don't have any rational ability to look at it outside of the fact that that, 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 that punched them in the feels and, and they don't like it. And you're seeing more and more attacks, right? I mean, across, at least the Western states, I mean, here in California, uh, Wyoming last year, you had the guy earlier this year in Colorado that was attacked by the lion. Well, where does that stuff come into play with their feels, right? And and part of that is due to the lack of management. <clears throat> We're encroaching, their, their populations are climbing. What are we going to do? When are we going to do it? It's, it's, it's a, a moral obligation uh, as humans to, to do this, the correct thing. And that, and that stewardship and, and figuring out how everything is in balance. I mean, we have the, the, the mental aptitude to do that. Um, I mean, man <laughs> screwed up this earth and it's our responsibility to, to, to do what we can. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I was about to go there. Right. Because I think that they feel like just hands off, right. Just let it be and it'll be okay. Well, we've had such an effect on it for so long that we can't be hands off any longer. That that's just not the right approach. You know, I, I try to, when I respond to some of these people, if they're just way off their rocker, then I, then I just troll them because they're, they're not even worth trying to debate with, but you know, some lady would write, well, there's only so many cougars in this state. Uh, and I said, I, I did a little background on it. I don't even remember what state it was. And it, it said that the, it, the number one reason why that population was down is because of habitat loss. So I told her, I said, okay, so why don't you volunteer to bulldoze your home? And, and they, they, don't, they just don't, they don't comprehend that at all. You know, like, you be the one to give up your you're the one encroaching on the their living space we all are you know it's not hunting is not the number one reason that these animals are struggling in, in said state we can go on and on and on <laughs> <laughs> right that as as rational and science-based as we want to be as hunters about that topic we do get emotional about it, right? Because it affects us. And, and we do have, a, in my opinion, a greater understanding of all aspects of it, right? How the science affects it, how hunting can help manage that. And we do get attached to our passion with hunting, right? But we see the purpose, the purposeful use of it um, with that management scheme. I mean, it, it, I, never in my life would I ever... Be like, well, I want to hunt something that's endangered. I mean, like, <laughs> it's just silliness, you know. Like, it, it, it's not the way we're programmed. We're, I mean, I care so much about the populations, the healthy, sustainable populations of every animal. Um, I mean, half these people get mad at a, at something that they don't even know what species it is. It, it goes back to you know in the beginning of this talk, where I was like, now I study my animals. I studied the game I'm pursuing just to the point where it's almost an obsession to know everything I can possibly know. And, it, and it, it, we are knowledgeable and they're just, again, going back to the fields. That's all it is. Show me on the doll where the hunter hurt you. We'll get off that soapbox, man. <laughs> right. <laughs>
So um, I think we were on the 2018 season. <laughs> right. Uh, so we hit Texas and then uh, did, I do a lot of duck hunting around here um, and a lot of goose hunting. I'm in the, the Fox River Valley. So it's the, the only major population center. And if you want to call it that is, is Green Bay. And it's pretty much farm towns. Like I live in a farm town of 3000 people and you've, we just got so much food and you got Lake Michigan on one side and the Fox river on the other and Lake Winnebago. And there, there's so much food and habitat for these birds. Some of the, the, the Canada goose hunting up here is, is phenomenal. I mean, we will have, you know, days where it's just bang, bang, bang. And you look and it's two hours in and you're, you're limited out. So I do a lot of that hunting around here, uh, to fill in the gaps. So when I go on the road, um, I used to go on the road three weeks a, a month and then I met my wife and we've got, I've got two stepdaughters and now just have a baby boy. So that has changed completely and and that's okay. And, and being able to, to get those hunts in around here, uh, a morning hunt or a weekend hunt. Uh, and before I, I gear up for something big. No, I mean, I have a calendar for the first time in my entire life just so I, I'm, I'm prepared and she knows what's going on. Finding, um, that, finding that balance with, uh, especially with you being used to the other way, right. Um, where it's, you know, career and, and, you know, just pursuing hunting and then having the family there, man, that, uh, I mean, it was a, it was a big adjustment, but it was a hundred million percent worth it. I mean, girls are, are my life now and now my son. So how old, uh, how old are the kids? Uh, nine, six and two months on Friday. Oh, wow. Baby, baby boy. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, he, he doesn't sleep at night. <laughs> and if he's up, he's eating. Chip off the old block. So, wow. oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I mean, so, I mean, I do a lot of the, the waterfall hunting around here uh, in early uh, fall, uh, October this last year, uh, I went out to Wyoming. Um, every other year I go to Wyoming and I hunt pronghorn. Uh, I absolutely love it. It's a solo hunt. I don't film it. It's kind of my time. Uh, the spot and stalk, I, I don't like shooting an antelope at 350 yards. I like shooting an antelope at 75 and anybody that's ever hunted them getting that close is not always easy. And I, I blow stock over stock over stock and I push them around the, the next rolling Wyoming Hill. And it, it's just my time. And it, I, no cameras, no nothing. And it's it, solo and just being out on the prairie, um, that, uh, being on the prairie in Wyoming, it, it makes it feel small in a good way. You're, you're just you see for miles. And um, it, I just think about, uh, um, you know, where the, the deer and the antelope roam. I mean, that, that's, that's what that is about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, went out there in October with, with one tag. Um, I drove straight through the night from Wisconsin to uh, uh, northeast Wyoming, Black Hills area. Um, thinking that I was going to get in, into just in time to scout for a couple hours. And I drove by this parcel. It was kind of a Z-shaped uh, 
it was from the the interstate and I'm, you know, having hunted there every other year for the last eight, I've drove by this parcel and be like, I don't even know how you would approach this parcel. I don't even know why anybody would waste their time on this. It's just the way it, the way it is set up doesn't bode well. It, it, it's a hill going down and then it's flat all the way through the Z. And it was the last piece I drove by before I was going to go to the hotel. And I looked down in there and there's kind of a little, really minor dry creek bed. And there's six bucks hanging in there. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a try. And I, I parked on the, the side of the interstate and I snuck down the hill and I got into the only depression I could find. And I, I walked the Z exactly. Um, I mean, property rights are a pretty big deal out there. And I mean, you just don't trespass. And even, even though I could have, you know, cut my stock down a little bit, here I walked this Z and somehow snuck up on him and shot him I mean, with like two minutes on the clock for shooting time. And I just expected to go out there and scout. So I <laughs> shoot this thing and I drag him back the direction of the Z and I get to the, the truck and I go to the hotel and I was like, well, I've got nothing to do for a couple of days. And I didn't know if there's any tags left. So I, look, I looked it up and there happened to be uh, right from down from Gillette, there was a an air hunt area that uh, had private lamb tags only, and I knew a rancher, uh, so I called him up, and he's like, "Yeah, have at her." Um, and slept that night and got up in the morning, and I had two bucks down in in forty eight hours. I know that rancher because uh, he runs. We've run veteran hunts with uh, Take Them Outdoors, which is a nonprofit here in Green Bay that I work with. Um, we're actually running, I think we're taking six vets. I'm not going to be able to go on that one, but uh, they're taking six guys out uh, to hunt pronghorn this coming October. So why don't we talk about uh, a little bit about that, man? So you got uh, Take Them Outdoors hunt, um, and then you do the uh, the veterans duck hunt there in Wisconsin. That'll kind of lead us into uh, our main topic, I guess. Okay. Um, well, I'll start with the veterans duck hunt because um, that's what kind of started me getting in, involved from that standpoint. Um, this year will be the tenth year. Um, Carrie and Ryan Voy uh, and Chuck Dodge. Uh, started they, they live on the Horicon marsh which is the the largest freshwater marsh in north america i mean this thing is huge people get lost in it all the time um and it's some of the best duck hunting in the world and you know they grew up on the marsh they, they were duck hunters their whole life and they decided they wanted to to start this veterans hunt and i, I think the first year there was like four guys i went the second year and i think there was eight of us but it was so cool what they were doing like it bringing guys together to experience the outdoors uh, was, was therapy. It was, it, 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 it just felt right. And I, I sat down with Ryan and I said, look, I mean, how big do you want to get this thing? And every year after that, they were like, all right, we can, we can handle 20. Okay. And I bring them 20 guys. 
and we can handle 35. And I think last year we had 81 guys, fully got Texas Roadhouse caters a thing. Um, they, the John Deere is made in Horicon and their machinist union hall. We turn into a barracks for the weekend. Um, and we got, you know, a hundred cots and, uh, we have a waiting list for volunteer guides. I mean, that's how big this thing is getting. And I, I think we're at our logistical max, but I mean, 80, 80 guys every October pile into the marsh. And I hear the same thing from the return vets, the guys that are, you know, coming on year two or year five. And they're like, I don't care if I shoot a thing this weekend. I just want to be here. And, and that, that tells me everything I need to know. Uh, so, I mean, I, I got involved with that early on just in the recruiting process and I'm, I'm the veteran liaison to the board. And uh, it's, it, I mean, my wife got to come this year and, and help with the raffle and, and, and it really opened her eyes to, hey, this isn't about, you know, drinking beer with the boys and hunting. This is, from, for, for me, you know, the, the vets that show up, that's very much a part of it. I mean, this is why I spend so much time doing this. She, she gets it now. It, it, she got to experience just seeing the guys together. Uh, and it, I think it really hit her. It, 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 okay. He's not, he's not doing this just to get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so that, that was kind of the first um, veteran thing I, I, I got to be a part of after being the hunter. Um, uh, the, the veteran hunter and transitioning into, Hey, let's do more of this. Um, and I was put in contact with Shad Locke, um, who is the, uh, president of, of take them outdoors and actually same property I was on my way out to Wyoming to hunt when somebody brought him to my attention said, Hey, you want to go on an antelope hunt? And I'm like, well, I just crossed the Missouri river. So I'm going on an antelope hunt myself called Shad up, <coughs> said, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm not going to have a problem filling my tags. Um, I don't you know, need to be the hunter, but I've got all my camera gear with me. Um, why don't I just meet you guys wherever you're going and, and film the opener? You know, it was, it was opening day and he said, sure. So I showed up at, at, at the ranch and I just tagged along in the truck and made a little promo film and uh, started really working with him and, in, 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 you know, the year's, Following that, when I have something cool lined up, um, you know, he's able to help fund it. And, you know, I just bring them vets and, and bring the opportunities. And we, we've taken a, a Marine amputee uh, to Africa. Um, we just did the mountain lion hunt in Colorado in January, um, which actually was on pursuit channel and it's uh, on carbon TV as well. Um, we're doing uh, a sandhill crane hunt and cackler geese in Texas in November. And I mean, anything I can get, get it. The outfitter or, and it doesn't even have to be an outfitter. It can just be a, a group of guys who like to hunt. Like the guys in Texas are just it's seven buddies who are just phenomenal waterfall hunters. Um, and and they wanted to do this. So, you know, we're, we're not quite to the, the Horicon stage where, you know, we've got all the, the logistics for food and stuff 
um, we're gonna we're gonna couch crash and take four guys on a on a crane hunt, and it's gonna be awesome. I mean, it's it's I love being able to have the network built up. I mean, that that is the only reason I'm on social media is to create a following so that I can show vets that this is available and that other people approach me when they have something that they want to be, you know, create that's that a similar program. So the importance of it, man, um, you know, you and I, when we started talking um, for me, uh, I forget what it was at this point. Honestly, I don't know if you posted about uh, PTSD or I heard something or a podcast or something, but it, it, it's pretty important, right? When you hear, you know, that our servicemen and women um, are coming back and they have these issues. And I've talked to a couple of guys that I've had on the podcast. It, for me, it, it just having an impact, right? In my small way. Right. So reaching out to you was like, how how can I get this out for, you know, maybe it's 10 people, a dozen people, 500 people to hear that are going through that. So what's how has it served you and what's the importance of, of getting our service, our service folks out there, man? I mean, I, if I if I hadn't found the outdoors, I probably would have drank myself to death. Um, when I, I got home. I mean. It. it I jumped into college and I remember being in this class like econ, econ 100. So basically common sense of how money in the world <laughs> works. And I'm sitting in this class and the professor writes a Delta, a, you know, Greek, uh, a Greek letter symbol for change on the board, uh, which is essentially just a, a triangle and there's this 18-year-old girl in the front row who cannot wrap her brain around the fact that this, <laughs> this means the symbol for change. And I see this guy two rows up from me just boiling. <laughs> and he's got a he's tattooed up, he's bearded, he basically looks exactly like I look. And he screams Iraq or Afghanistan veteran. And he <laughs> he jumps up, he's like, it's not a triangle. And I grab the guy and we go outside. And I was like, bro, <laughs> it just calm down. It, it, you, it's hard to be thrown back into society and be normal after you've experienced combat. It, it, you just, your patience level for people, it, it, I have to work on that daily. Um, you know, it's like, you, you, you only kind of connect uh, on a spiritual level <laughs> with the wild and with your people that um, have done what you've done. And, it, and it's hard. I mean, you, you can't have a, a conversation about what you've done with most people because they're like, that's messed up. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's war. Um, so, I mean, it, fitting into college was hard. I mean, I, I don't even know why I went to college. I mean, <laughs> it was, um, and then you, you get a job and you get married and you buy a house and, and the white picket fence and PTSD is, is you can go through the motions of all that, but it, it's still in the back of your mind. You know, this is my life now. 
this is this isn't exciting this isn't danger i mean you're, you're drawn to some of the danger and you're, you're drawn to some of the adrenaline and i, I think the, the the adrenaline of a hunt is very very similar um where you get a nostalgic feeling about it so the negative sides of it though i mean so so for me right i i didn't experience war right so all I can do is read about PTSD and, and, and assume that I have some minor understanding, but the numbers are pretty astronomical, right? It's, it's something like 70% of people or Americans experience, you know, or, or witness some type of traumatic or, or traumatizing event. And 20% of those folks um, will suffer from PTSD because of it. So when you start looking at the number and you start thinking of our servicemen and women, and, and I got to qualify it, right? Because they're not, that's not the only, our first responders, right? Are, are also victims. Um, RC, oh yeah. Your cops, fighters, right. So I don't want to belittle that, right. I'm, I'm focused on servicemen cause I'm talking to one, talking to an ex Marine. So just want to be clear on that, that we understand that it's, you know, a larger demographic. Um, but when you start looking at those numbers for folks that are going overseas and, and fighting, um, I got to imagine, man, that that makes up the majority of that 20% of folks, man. Um, For sure. It's like I said, I don't understand it personally. I've seen it. I've had guys that work for me that have it. Um, and there's moments where you got to, you know, pull them away and give them some time or pull them away and talk them down. Um, and I know for me, the outdoors without suffering, um, is therapy. So I can't even imagine from that mindset or, or dealing with that, what, what it means to be outdoors, man, and just escape all that. I don't, I don't know. Is it a pressure or is it just stresses or, or does it affect, have you seen it affect guys in different ways? I mean, you know, like the saying that, you know, not all successful hunts end in a, a kill or a harvest. And it, it just, you know, the, the marsh coming alive and the birds and, and doing that in a, in a small group, uh, you know, especially, you know, amongst your peers, so to say, uh, that are our vets. I mean, like I said, the, the, some of the guys say, I don't even care if I shoot anything. It, just, just being outside and watching nature and, and, and being part of it all has, uh, is, is so cleansing for anyone that, I, I, you know, I think it takes people back to a level of simplicity. And then I imagine with with those with those hunts um, that that camaraderie that you had mentioned early, you know, when we first started talking, that that camaraderie, that brotherhood, is there as well. Where you know that might be lacking, um, or is probably lacking um, with just dealing with you know us average everyday folks, <laughs> for the lack of I a mean, better phrase. Imagine being a twenty three year old combat vet who just spent four years, you know, two of his four years in service in the middle of Iraq or the mountains of Afghanistan, 
watching everybody around you die. And then you go home to your hometown of 6,000 and there's no one there that has any idea of what you experienced. And those are the guys that you need to reach because they don't have a support network. I mean, one of the guys I I met at this duck hunt when I was going through a divorce, he's who I called. He's a, he's a Marine I met at the duck hunt and he's having some problems right now in his life. And he calls me, you know, that cause he knows that I'm going to be there and I know that he'll be there. And it, it, you go back to regular life and there's nobody there. Everybody's that's still in your hometown is working at pizza hut and living in their mom's basement or has married and gone off and had kids and works a nine to five. And your mind is still in the desert where, and where all your buddies, that, that's where you, um, felt comfort even in, in a war zone is, is together shared, shared misery, if you will. <laughs> so if I get too intrusive or anything on this, on this topic, man, let me know. But one of the things that, that scares the shit out of me with it, right. Is to think that, you know, our servicemen and women, um, that, that basically said, you guys are first, I'm putting it all on the line. Um, come home, deal with this, don't have that support, right? And then we start talking about, you know, uh, veteran suicide. Um, and and to me, that that's a scary thing, man. That is a scary thing that we don't have that support system just in place or, and, and I don't know that we don't fully, right? But, but to help our servicemen and women cope with that, um, that scares the shit out of me, right? There is a debt of gratitude, like open heart, man, you know, heart on the sleeve type thing. Like I didn't do it, but I think the world of the folks that did and do, it just scares me to think that, that I almost feel like it, to a point it's ignored, man. And I, and I could be wrong, but that's how I see it. Um, I mean, I think the statistic is 22 a day, uh, I'd commit suicide. I mean, that, that, that's, that's scary. Astronomical. Yeah, that is that is absolutely scary, man. It's uh I mean it, it, it's real, it's happening. And I don't know how we put together uh anything that can address the 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 issue completely because each case is is different. It, I mean it's getting these guys out there. I'm, I'm, We've gotten, we've gotten anonymous messages on the, the Horicon um, page, you know, from people saying this hunt saved my life. You know, that right there tells me everything I need to know. And it, again, you can't, you can't combat them all, but if you're saving one. Exactly. You know, I have a, I have a friend. Um, she's a uh, psychologist. Um, at the uh, the VA, and she came up with this program um, called Cover Me Veterans, and I've helped helped her a lot on it. To the point where we've become very, very good friends, and it, that's it's the same principle. Uh, you know, is this going to save everyone? No. 
but if it saves one, she uh, was telling her patients to take a picture of, I don't care if it's a cat, your dog, your daughter, your, your wife, your family, whatever is closest to you in this world and rubber band that around your gun. And the, she was getting feedback from people being like, Hey, I was, I was at my wits end, and I picked up that gun and I looked at it and here's my daughter staring me in the face. So, uh, I got put in contact with her when she was just starting and we got a hold of gun skins and they've been awesome. They donate everything at cost and vets will send in a picture and we get it customized, uh, uh, adhesives that, that go on whatever. I mean, they're, we've got them for just about every make and model you can imagine. And again, is that going to save everybody? No, but it, it Anybody it does is worth it. And it, it, it's kind of a, however many prongs we can hit this from, well, let's do it. Cause it, it's a very real thing. And, and you know, I see it on, on social media all the time with all the vets that I have. Hey, we lost a brother last night due to this, due to that. And, and due to taking their own life. Yeah. That one, uh, I'm not trying to sound cliche or anything by any stretch of the imagine, imagination, but man, that tugs on my heartstring, man. Like I said, that the sacrifice, um, that selflessness, and and you almost there's just you're you're powerless, right? I mean, we're powerless. I can't relate to it, but you know, like you said, if and like I said earlier, if if this hits one person's ears, man, and and gets them thinking about it, man, that's a that's a big deal. I'm just glad to hear that, you know, 81 guys are getting together and, you know, you guys are, I, and you said, you know, the, the one in Texas, just four guys, you know, couch surfing. That's awesome. That, that sounds like a, <laughs> that sounds like it's, a blast, it's, man. It's it's a more, it, it's almost, you know, cause we were, we were talking about, do we get them a hotel? I'm like, nah, man, let's stay at, you know, but let's drink beers around your kitchen table until your girlfriend is mad at us and then go on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Yeah. Let's, uh, I, I just want to share that, man. I appreciate you being open about it and, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's a rough <laughs> one for me, man. It's, it's just, like I said, it, it, that one hits me right in the heart, man. That, that's a hell of a sacrifice and, you know, a hell of a thought process to say, Hey, I'm going to do this. And, and, you know, you're serving everybody here in this country, man. And yeah, good on you guys. Hats off, man. We appreciate that. Thank you. Um, whew. <laughs> I'm a softy with that. So, um, conservation, man, let's talk a little conservation and, and, uh, your views on it. And we kind of, you know, started tugging on that a little bit earlier. I said, tug, I didn't mean to, um, started talking about that a little bit earlier. Um, but what's your, what's your take on conservation, man, as a whole? And are we doing enough? I mean, that, that's, that's a whole, <laughs> um, I, you know, it, you get it. I get it. Most people that hunt get it. it. I guess it's more of an outreach to the ones that don't uh, that needs to be done. You know, we're in tune with, as hunters, going to the meetings for DNR and talking about, you know, 
the management plan uh, for whatever whatever species. Um, you know, the, I'm going to listen to the biologist. It, you know, as long as he doesn't have his own agenda. Um, we understand that, but it, 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 it's getting that message out to, I mean, what we've already covered, the, the people that are just don't even try. And, it, you know, like I was saying, I get all these messages and comments and stuff. If I get somebody that's polite, that asks a question, even though you can tell where their, their feelings are on it, that's when it's an obligation to me to spend my time with that person. I go all in. I, I mean, I've, I've even against my better judgment, private messages, my phone number to some guy that just had a bunch of questions. Cause he's like, he said, I just don't get cat hunting or lion hunting. And I was like, perfect. Here's a guy who's willing to learn. His comment showed me that he was open to, to discussion. And I don't think I, you know, I don't think the guy's going to go out and buy a pack of hounds and, and run a cat ever in his life. But he at least, I, I sat down and talked to him for an hour and he goes, oh my God. He was like, I never even knew any of this. And that's, that's what we, we need to approach is, is, is getting the science of it out there for, for people to, to at least that are, that are open-minded enough to, to look at our perspective um you know what i'm saying i mean it's 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 hard to reach the the people that just fly off the handle but that we need to reach the middle on this one so i was kind of having this conversation the other day with a friend of mine right and and one of the things and i'm guilty of it i think as hunters we're we're kind of all guilty to a point right um a tag is conservation you got you know our organizations that, you know, we're paying our 40 bucks for, we'll do a cleanup, we'll pack it in, pack it out, pick up people's trash, right? I mean, that's all great stuff, right? But what about the the political side of it? How do we how do we fight that, right? Because that, I mean, you look at an organization like PETA, that's a political powerhouse, right? How do you how do we begin to combat that? Because buying your buying your tags and your license packing it in, packing it out and RMEF membership. Um, that's not going to fight those political powerhouses. How, where do we start to take that stance? Right. We email senators, send letters, et cetera, et cetera. But how do we, how do we swing the bat harder when it comes to the political side of things? I mean, I, I think you, you stated, you know, RMEF, you got NWTF, you got EU, White Tails Unlimited. Some of those groups are pretty powerful when it comes to the their pocketbooks, because I mean that's what politics is. is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, you know, how do we balance what they're doing for conservation from a buying, you know, buying up lands for habitat or reintroduction programs. I mean, it, I was talking to a guy in the UK or no, he's in, he lives in Denmark. Um, he's from the UK and he's, uh, we were talking about the, the crow and the pigeon thing. And he's like, we need an international effort. And <laughs> I 
are you going to be the one that starts the organization? You know, like who's going to do that? I mean, it, it, getting everybody on the same page is, is, is hard enough. There's, there's so much infighting social media in general among hunters bashing hunters. I mean, how, how do we, how do we create a, a, a streamlined cohesive group that has, has no political user groups, <laughs> no user groups, man. Good luck. Piss on you. Cause you wear mossy Oak and I wear oh, off the fade. <laughs> Some of the conversations on, you know, duck hunting forums that people just beating each other up. And I'm like, why? <laughs> it's crazy. I've seen I've seen two guys go at it and the conversation got to the point where they were talking about each other's wives and children and like troll. It was like they were trolling each other's page back and forth like two schoolgirls. Right. And insulting like families. And it's like, what the hell are you guys doing? It's, it's frustrating. I, I stopped commenting on anything. <laughs> it's, so public. it's just, I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> That's crazy. You got a lot of freaking time on your hands, man. A lot of time <laughs> on your hands. If you're worried about that type of shit. That is it's petty. It really is. So the international thing, that's a trip, right? Cause I mean, it's hard it's hard to get a guy that, you know, hunts whitetail to understand that, you know, RMEF or, or NWTF are organizations that he should be backing. But it makes perfect sense to think that banding together on a, you know, far-fetched dream, right? Um, but on an international level, um, man, that would be, that's powerful. Well, this this guy in in Denmark, he there was no hunting really in Denmark at all, and somehow he got on public access TV with a show that focused on conservation numbers. Now they they got roe deer and stag and all kinds of stuff. I mean, Justin Nicholson is his name. He's he's a phenomenal dude. Um, I mean, maybe you know that that falls on. Maybe I need to do an episode on something like this for for the backcountry show, um, where it, it really covers that. I mean, I, Africa might even be the place to start. I, I don't, I don't think I want to do an African episode that doesn't cover where the money's going, what the numbers are, species wise. I mean, I think that's the major story. I, I, I'm done doing hunting shows where it's, Hey, my name's Ryan. I'm hunting whitetails in Kansas. Here's a whitetail pow, hold up the rack and then shows over. And there needs to be a larger, I mean, those are boring. And, and I have a platform now and, and this next season, we're going to cover some pretty uncomfortable stuff. Um, but I, I'm, I love it. You know, like I don't, I don't want to be the cookie cutter. Can you give us a, What's some of the uncomfortable stuff? I have a uh, kid that contacted me. Um, he's from North Carolina, and he saw how I handle, uh, um, for lack of a better term, my haters. Um, and he said he was taking some heat at school. He's an African-American kid from other, other black kids because hunting was white people stuff. And I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> and so we're, we're, we're taking him on a hunt 
in South Carolina um, with the Marsh family. Antonio Marsh and his wife are uh, are Army vets, and we're going to go on a hog hunt, and um, we're going to cover that. I, I, I don't want the piece to be. I, I always use the phrase: it's 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 not a puff piece nor a hit piece. It's a factual piece. Um, uh, race and hunting needs to be covered, but not be the focal point. Um, and man, that's a, that is a trending topic. We need them as, as part of our community, uh, all, all, all facets of, uh, of the demographics. Uh, we're inclusive as hunters. Does there need to be a focus on race? Right. I mean, it, it's so I saw there was there's a, a thread today. Right. And I was following along and I follow the marshes. Um, I think they're awesome. Right. That the whole family's out there doing it. Um, but. I understand growing the demographic. What I don't know that we need to focus on is race. I mean, is that does that is that something that needs to be a focal point with it? No, it, it needs to, in, in this case, it, you know, it's part of the story and it needs to be touched on, but it's not the focus. The focus is this kid goes out and hunts because, and I asked him, I said, why do you hunt? And he said, I love going out there and hunting with my dad. Boom, right there. Right. That, that's, that was it. That was, that's the focal point. Yeah, I've you just know, never, it, I guess for me, I've never seen the divide. Um I don't know, man. I, I think that that climate, right, with that just doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't need to be there. Um, it, it's everywhere else. And I, I feel like we're, we should be so far beyond that, that it does it, you know what I mean? Does it matter? I don't give a shit. The animal doesn't give a shit. The, the weapon that you're behind doesn't care. Um, you know, your, your Marines, do they care? I, I don't know. Not, man. That's, you know what I mean? It's just a rough one. I mean, in the Marine Corps, everybody's green. Yeah. Uh, it, you hunters. know, I, I think it matters because society says it matters, but our subculture in hunting, we don't. I, I don't care. Yeah, I don't want anybody that's a good hunter and, a, and, a, and fun to be with. And you go down south and you look at that, you know, you look at, you know, Bama or Arkansas. Um, if you go down like Louisiana, I mean, that is, that is a tradition that, that, you know, demographic, um, it exists. It's real. I know guys, Western hunters, um, a couple buddies, buddies of mine, they're football players for, you know, Northern Arizona state, man. And those guys were out chasing elk while they were in school playing football on scollies. That's awesome. You know what I mean? It, it just, I don't know, man. I, I think for me, it, you just see so much of that BS every day. And you turn something on and that's the climate. Um, it's like, just keep it out of here. Keep it out of this. This is, The beauty of this is that we're all equal when we're in the woods. It doesn't matter. Blue, oh, red, black, camouflage. You know what I mean? It just, it, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, I think, I think the focus, I mean, especially for this piece, is, is inclusion just as fellow hunters and, and it, 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 it's not a, it's not race baiting at all. It, I, I mean, I talked to the kid's dad. I said, look, you know, I don't want this to be 
oh, look, a black hunter. I mean, gold star. I mean, that's bullshit. He, we're not parading him around. That, that, that is not <laughs> anywhere in, in my vision for this. Um, and we're dealing with that here as well uh, with the Hmong. And that, I mean, that, uh, they're and Asian people from, from Laos. They're big hunters around here. And they, I mean, they, they're only their second and third generation. And, and they got, they got your squirrel population on the decline. <laughs> I mean, they're some of the best hunters and oh, fishermen I know. Man, we have some hung out here and uh, those guys consistently go out. And I mean, you're talking, you know, Southern California and they consistently go out and get it done, man. Consistently. Those guys are filling tags left and right, man. Uh, they're hardcore, and I love it. And they're, and they're they're part of us. They're part of our hunting subculture. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I didn't mean I wasn't I wasn't trying to down that or anything, man. I just I saw that no, no, no. it's been kind of a hot topic. Um, like I said, as of late, and then uh, you know the the diversity in hunting thing has been coming up, and um, I guess I for me I've never really looked at that. You know, I never considered it, um, but yeah, I guess uh, if it's important to someone, it's important to someone. But yeah, we're as far as I'm concerned, man, we're all hunters. Either you're, uh, you know, you're out there getting Absolutely. it done, or you're not. Well, I mean, when you, when you say we're all hunters, I mean the, this huntress movement. Oh I hate that. shit! Now you want to talk my, about something that's going to get me going? <laughs> I don't understand. I, I tell my daughter, my nine year old daughter came turkey hunting. We didn't get one. She passed on a, a bearded hen. <laughs> the hen walks by, and I'm like, that's a bearded hen. You can shoot that. And she looks at me, and she goes, I'm after Tom's. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but uh, I told her, because she's like, if I get one, can I start my own Instagram? I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, baby. And, but I told her, I said, never, ever classify yourself as a huntress. You're a hunter. You're, 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 you're equal. Huntress means separate. You're equal. I've asked that question on my show of women with that moniker, and they cannot explain it to me. I left it alone <laughs> because I was just like, all right, I'm just beating a dead horse here. I'm going to piss somebody off with it. Oh, but yeah, I, yeah, that one drives me nuts, man. I, any divide with hunting is just phenomenally stupid to me. Um, we're going <laughs> to, you know, we, although we walk down, you know, different trails or beat different trails or have, you know, you're duck hunting or a guy is elk hunting at the end of the day, we're like-minded. We have the same heart for the most part. Um, especially if we're out there doing it ethically and responsibly and taking care of that land, man, it just, there's no division in it. And to me, that's one of the greatest things about it. It's the leveler. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's the same in the woods, man. The mountain does not give a shit. <laughs> the monk doesn't care what you're following us. No, does not care at all, man. So how does the uh, 2019 season, man, how's that panning out? You got, you know, you got the uh, calendar now. So is that well, I, I filling mean, up? We uh, we originally made contact because uh, I think I commented on a, a elk post to make. Um, we've got a Marine buddy that uh, lives in Idaho um, up in the Salmon River area, and we linked up 
when he was living in Idaho Falls, I want to say three years ago, I was on a, a photography tour of national parks. And as I was shooting back through from Glacier, uh, met up with him and he had uh, kind of gone through the same progression as me as to outdoors was the key to him. Uh, so he works for an outfitter that does uh, horseback insertion. He's a saddle maker. Uh, Troy Bermesh is his name. Um, just a good dude. And he, he, he's kind of, he, 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 he's like the last mountain man. Like if I call him, I won't hear back from him for like, <laughs> you know, 10 days. Hey man, sorry. I was up in the way up on the mountain. I'm like, I'm sure you were. I mean, he's, he's, uh, kind of lives almost as a recluse um, on, on the <laughs> way fringes of civilization. And I love it. But uh, we've been talking since then about doing a hunt together. And last year I missed putting in for the tag. Um, so this year we got on top of it and I put in and got my bull elk tag. It was be the first time I'm chasing elk and I'm, I'm uh, stoked about it. Um, well, first time chasing bull elk. Um, and then I said to him, I said, why don't we bring another vet? I mean, like, I don't know what, you know, what you got for room and stuff. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we picked a guy, I think he's a two time purple heart. Um, John matter. He's out of Wisconsin here. He's a former recon sniper. So we're going to kill a bullet. <laughs> yeah. He's, he, he, you see pictures of John. He is he's he is the epitome of badass. Um, he's a tactical firearm instructor for like corporate security stuff, and then he's he's MMA fighter. He's he's just a badass. Um, so we're taking John out there. Um, we're gonna drive out there, and uh, all three of us have have bull tags. And then I think uh, Idaho has a system where if you buy a a tag, it covers either wolf, bear, or lion. Um, so, I mean, we'll get that too. You know, we'll get those tags too, just if, if the opportunity presents itself. Uh, thin some wolves out, or he's never shot a bear. So, I'm going to tell him how bad it sucks dragging them thing out of there, but hopefully, we'll have horses. <laughs> so, that, that's, that's the big one this year. That's in October, um, September doing the hog hunt with the marshes. Um, just talked to a buddy down in Louisiana, um, Mark Boat, uh, Bayou Bowfishing uh, Charters. He's uh, He's got an airboat. He, he is, he's a raging Cajun, man. He's He's got a crab boat, a shrimp boat, an airboat. I mean, he's, he's, he's very well to do, but he'll pull over to the side of the road and check a pig roadkill. And I'm like, man, you don't have to do that. Like, man, what could ass down here? Uh, so he's got gator tags for me this year. So I'm going to go after alligator first week of September. Um, I've only done that once and it's, it's, uh, it's different. I mean, you put the, I'm as Yankee <laughs> Northern as they come and you go down in the swamps in Louisiana and you live like, live like them for a week. It's pretty cool. Um, so shoot, shoot a couple gators. We'll probably do some bow fishing for some, uh, Gator Gar, uh, Louisiana, I believe is the only state you can shoot redfish with a bow. We'll do some of that. We'll, um, might make an episode out of it. And I really want to show the, the Creole Cajun culture. Now you're, now you're talking my language. 
<laughs> it, uh, I mean, I go down there and I mean, I'm a big boy, but I, I gain 10 pounds every gonna, time. I'm down I was going to say, man, you're going to go get eaten alive by mosquitoes and come back 15 pounds heavier, man. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, the last time we were down there, uh, the first night we got in mid evening, I mean, it was dark out already, took the shrimp boat out for two passes, filled up the cooler full of shrimp, set the crab pots, got the airboat out, shot some guards, shot some redfish, went to sleep, got up in the morning, picked up the crab pots, drove to the, uh, a buddy of his house that's right on the water, dropped off the shrimp and the crab, went on a fishing boat and went rod and reel for, um, the speckled trout and came back and then they've got, I mean, you're dumping crab and shrimp straight from the bayou into the, the, the boiler. I mean, oh my God. I mean, they, they, they probably should have put a time-lapse camera on me because I think I ate for three and a half hours. <laughs> and you can't help it, man. Those crab boils and shrimp boils. Oh man. I mean, just everywhere you go though. I mean, a little hole in the wall restaurants. I'm like, well, I got to get a bowl of gumbo, you know? <laughs> Oh, that's crazy. It's a, it's a cool culture down there. And, and I mean, they call Louisiana the sportsman paradise. paradise and yeah. It could be. It really could be. Uh, so that's September. October is the elk hunt. Uh, that, uh, going after the ducks in Utah, ducks in Florida. Um, and then the, the bed hunt with Sandhill Cranes is basically the big ones this year. I'm, I'm sure I'll squeeze something else in if she hasn't killed me yet. Um, I, I think it'll be either next year or the year after that I'll finish the 41. Um, cause I took care of the, uh, well, I would have to go back to Alaska. The other duck that I forgot was uh barrels golden eye. Uh, there's, there's not, I don't have a whole lot left, but they're all, none of them I can get here. So I'm going to have to be pretty mobile, but, but that's the fun. I mean, out of state hunting is amazing. It just going to experience different people, the way they do it, um, the different subcultures in, in, in this country is, is, is great. I mean, you got the Northeasters in Maine chasing eiders. I mean, they're, they're amazing people. I mean, they're, they're some hard, hard people. Um, Texas is his own country. <laughs> no matter where you go. <laughs> Texas greatest country in the world. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So where do we, uh, where do we go, man, to see some of the film and, um, check out some of the, uh, the photos and, and follow along. Well, I mean, Instagram, Ryan off the grid is basically my main platform to build, you know, networks with people right now. Um, but as, as far as, uh, uh, backcountry traditions, uh, we're, we're airing right now, uh, on pursuit channel. Uh, Mondays at six Eastern and anything that's already aired, you can go to carbon TV and just search back country traditions. And, uh, uh, there'll be some, uh, I think there's six or five episodes out right now that you can live stream for free. Thing we miss man in closing that you want to throw out there. I mean, if anybody, it doesn't matter if you're an outfitter or not and wants to put together a hunt like this, I mean, get a hold of me on Instagram. Um, and we'll, we'll start working on doing more of this for, for vets. And, and it's, it's not just vets too. I mean, it's, we do, uh, hunts for, uh, you know, kids with life threatening illnesses and I'm all about first time hunters, kids, 
vets and uh, um, and people that are, are battling stuff is getting them out there. I mean, and I barely pull the trigger anymore, and I'm okay with it. it, it, it it's all, all part of being out there. I, I found a, a niche where if I'm behind the camera, I feel like I'm even more a part of it. Well, Ryan, I uh, greatly appreciate your time, man. I know I've pulled you away from family time there. Um, yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you for having me on. Really enjoyed it. Yes, sir. You can catch up with Ryan on Instagram at Ryan Off the Grid or on YouTube at Off the Grid Videography. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.